Welcome to Unconventionally Speaking, the PSA podcast where we go behind the scenes to learn about the triumphs and tribulations that help shape the careers of our Unconvention 2022 learning gurus and experienced masters. Not only will you get a sneak peek into their session, you'll also gain valuable insight into the speaking business and tips on how to navigate the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Unconvention 2022 podcast. Now, I'm thrilled, excited, stunned, and amazed to have our next guest with us. I've only just met her, and already I think I'm in love. She is a depth of authenticity during a conversation that's been superb, and she's also very friendly and nice. Please welcome to the show, Mariana Pascal. Welcome. Thank you very much, Warwick. I'm very happy to be here with you today. Excellent. Now, just so our listeners know, you're coming to us from, is it Kuala Lumpur or Malaysia? Whereabouts are you? Well, I'm in the southernmost point of Malaysia. Just I'm looking at Singapore out my window. So I'm in Johor Bahru in the south. How long does it take to get from Malaysia to Singapore? Mornings, if I'm going in for a talk or trainings, it can take two and a half to three hours. If it's non-rush hour, it can take 20 minutes. Oh, my looks lordy. This is why we love doing things virtually so we don't have to travel. So people know who you are. Give us a bit of a background. Give us your two to three minute verbal showreel. What do you normally speak on and what wows your audiences? Well, I have an interesting background. I was an actor for about 15 years before I came to this part of the world. And I've incorporated a lot of that into my talks, my trainings, everything that I do. So I show people how to take their audiences on a journey. I use a director's mindset, a movie director's mindset, and I help speakers think like a movie director. So they're less focused on their content and more focused on where they're taking that audience. That's basically what I do in a nutshell. Awesome. I'm coaching speakers this year now that we're doing it virtually, and that's a whole new area that I'm really very much enjoying to add to the mix. Fantastic. Hey, tell me a little bit about your acting and directing background. Have you been in any big productions? Have you Tell me a little bit about your life as an actress. Well, I was a theatre actress mostly, so you probably wouldn't have seen me on stage in Canada. I travelled across the country for about 15 years in, in theatre. Some of the TV that you would know is Alfred Hitchcock Presents and The Twilight Zone and sort of series like that, but mostly it was theatre. What was your favorite production to be part of in theater? Oh, my favorite production ever was a production of Cowboy Mouth by Sam Shepard. That was a production where I actually had to fall in love with a stuffed crow. And it was uh, challenging, but I've had boyfriends that were harder to fall in love with, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. As on behalf of the male population, stuffed crow, that's an accurate observation. And so how much of that 15 years was as a director versus as an actress? No, I was an actress. I wasn't a director. But what I observed, what I found over the years is that as I became a speaker and a corporate trainer, so much of my mindset was actually what I'd learned all those years from directors. You see, what a director does is a director's not that interested in the words on the page, what the playwright wrote. The director is interested in the audience only. That's why you see directors looking through cameras and not looking at the actors, right? Their entire focus is on what is that journey of the audience. So 
that's how, you know, I'm, I'm very, very, I hate saying I'm so honored, but I, I have to say I'm so honored to be one of the 40, I think it's now the 40th most watched TED Talk in the world out of 8,000 or something. You know, how did that happen? I think it's the same mentality of thinking like a director and letting the content be absolutely second to that journey, that journey that the audience goes on. So speaking of journeys, tell me a bit about yours. So you've been 15 years as an actress roving all over Canada. What got you into the speaking industry? What helped you take that step? Okay. So I'm in Toronto. I'm an actor. I'm engaged to be married. I have a cat. And suddenly it dawns on me, if I marry this guy and stay in Canada and stay an actress, I'm going to wind up being married to this guy forever. I'll be an old actress taking old parts. I'll still have a cat. And I thought, there's got to be more to life than this. So I went out. Do you remember Anthony Robbins used to have, I don't know how old you are, but you look like you could, I don't know, you've got a beard. So it's hard to tell your age under there. So you're hiding your chin wrinkles. But he put out these 30-day cassette series. Do you remember that? Yeah. I don't. Yes, yes, yes. Do you really? Or are you just saying that? No, I really do. I'm actually 53, just so you know. Oh, okay. So. okay. The beard. I got to grow a beard myself because it really does good things for you. <laughs> so I did the 30-day, uh, his 30-day, you know, transform your life. And I literally transformed my life. I did that. I gave the ring back to the fiance, threw the cat out the window, booked a flight. Oh, I can't, I think it's not, you're not allowed to say that anymore. I may offend the cat lover. You put the cat into care so it was very well looked after and loved and nourished. Yes, that's what I meant. (laughs) I sold everything I owned, every single thing, everything, every knife, fork, and spoon until all I had left, literally, I didn't even put anything in storage because I knew I wouldn't be back. All I had left was a, a bag the size of a postage stamp. My brother even taught me to take your toothbrush and cut it in half so you can save on baggage space. I did that. No kidding. And I left and I got on a plane to go to Australia, actually. And I had a stopover in Malaysia and I fell in love with Malaysia. And I just Mm. absolutely was love at first sight. And I stayed here. Then I got married here. I had a daughter here, started a business here. And then, you know, that life happens like that. One thing merges into that. Yeah. So how long have you been in Malaysia now? 25 years. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. That's superb. And what were the cultural challenges coming from Canada to live in Malaysia? Surely there were some cultural issues. And how did you approach those? Well, I never, I've always been incredibly good at adapting. And I think that's part of that same mindset that you learn as an actor, you know, you're not stuck in your ways. You bend to, you bend. So I bend. I was married to a Chinese for 15 years, very, very conservative, traditional Chinese. Nobody spoke English in his family. You know, I was Chinese for many years. And one day, one day I realized, oh my God, I'm Chinese. (laughs) I I thought, what happened to me? And that was sort of the beginning of the end of the marriage. So that was another fifth. That was stage two. That was 15 years stage two. So yeah, I've never had any trouble adapting and I'm ready to adapt again because I feel a bit done here now. You know, 25 years, I'm now divorced. My daughter's getting ready to go to uni and the next step will be, I'm looking elsewhere. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what stage three in the life of Mariana Pascal is. 
So talk to me a little bit about what's your topic? Like going from being an actress, how did you go from talking about being an actress to then talking about that stagecraft? What was the moment that got you on stage as a speaker versus an actress? I think things merged into things. So I was an actor. I came here. When I came here to Malaysia, I began, I did the first thing that people do when they go to Asia. You get a job teaching English, you know, right away. I really love that. And eventually I created my own English school and it was for adults, Japanese and Korean adults. And I loved uh, being able to do role play. You know, I did it kind of like an actress. I took them on role play journeys and, and things like that. And that was kind of my gift. And then from there, I got into corporate training quite, that flowed quite nicely from, you know, doing this kind of really unusual way of learning English into communication training in Singapore. And then from there, I just got started getting hired as a speaker. And I actually had some viral talks before the TEDx went crazy. So I think that acting combined with my understanding of using English as a second language and different cultures and storytelling ability, they all merged together and seemed to make me quite, I guess, marketable as a speaker in some way in terms of storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Over the last five years, have you seen an increase in demand for your services instead of talking about the text or the content, but the actual delivery and the performance? Well, my focus is less on delivery, more on structuring the journey. Okay. And what I definitely find now that people are communicating virtually, definitely structuring a journey is more important because when you're speaking virtually, it's not just that you need more to engage people. It's that you need to hook into their emotions much more. Because technology, as we know, it sort of flattens everything. It makes everything a lot more colorless and black and white. And, you know, it's the emotion in the journey. And I don't mean emotion in an airy-fairy, you know, make them cry away. I mean, tapping into them in a much deeper way than just giving information, informing them. It's really taking them. It's really, you know what I see it as, Warwick? It's like, what I help speakers do and what I do as a speaker and a trainer, it's all, and, and forgive me for saying this, this is perhaps going to be misunderstood a little bit. So try, try and work with me here. It's almost like- I'll be tough. Okay. It's like the audience is a dog and they're on a leash and you're holding the leash and you're taking them somewhere, but you're not pulling them with you to where you're going. You're not letting them lead the way and sniff all over the place wherever they want. You're in a very clever way guiding them so that they're walking beside you, but at the same time, they're having their own journey. You're showing them where they're going to stop and sniff the doggy doo-doo and the lamppost and, you know, where they're going to stop and have a pee. So they never feel that leash pulling. They constantly feel that they're on their own journey, and yet you are the puppet master behind the whole thing. That's how I see directors working. That's how I see a good speaker managing an audience. That's how a trainer develops an audience. It's that, that's the feeling to me. So and forgive me to all my Muslim friends out there. This would work equally well with a cat. So I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about guided freedom. That's what we're talking about. So, which I think, yeah, that's, I really love your analogy there. That's fantastic. So talk to me about your business. 
in that, so you do speaking, you do a bit of coaching. What are the different elements of your business that in how you generate revenue? Well, I have books, which don't make a lot of money. I can't deny that. You know, I've never really mastered how to do that, but they've certainly, I've sold like a, over a hundred thousand copies in Malaysia and Singapore alone. I haven't done that well with books, but I've sold over a hundred thousand copies. Can I say that's, you've done well with books. Financially, it might not have paid a mega bucks, but that's a very large number of books. I've just had to stop you and acknowledge that that's awesome. Thank you. Please continue. Thank you. Thanks to my publisher, Advantage Quest in Malaysia. But I mean, when I've done it on my own through online marketing, I can't, I don't seem to have the same set. That was the actual hardcovers in bookstores. So that's one way. The coaching I'm loving now, I'm really enjoying with speak. I'm enjoying so much helping speakers to take their audiences on a journey because you know what I find? So many speakers that are fantastic speakers are very content centric. And I really enjoy giving them a different way of thinking about it to work with. I love that. So that's my second thing. I'm still doing, you know, it's very funny now. I don't know. Okay. You know what? My good friend, Avi Liran and I, we have coined a new phrase and I'd like to share this with all speakers worldwide. You know, right now there's so much stuff that we're doing that is, it's neither keynote nor workshop. It's like two hours. It's interactive. Is it a keynote? Is it a workshop? We call it a mermaid. So I'm doing a lot of mermaids right now. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. I love that because you're right. It is. It's not a keynote. It's not a workshop. It's something that's done with them. I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Hey, so how has your topic evolved in the last five years or so? Has it evolved? Yes. Is it the same as it always is or what? what's shifted it? No, it has. And that's one blessing from COVID, I have to say. You know, until COVID, I worked in Singapore. I worked through Shirley Taylor, who many of you will know through her organization, STTS. And I was kind of like a jack of all communication workshop. So, you know, if someone wanted a policy writing workshop, I'd create that. Report writing, I'll create that. Speaking up to your boss, well, I'll, I'll do that you know, presenting to senior management, I'll do that, you know. So I was doing everything. Since COVID began, I thought to myself, no, now the time has come. There are two or three things I love doing. And I want to do that and be really good at those three things, because I think everybody can benefit from those three things. So it forced me, I really narrowed my scope. I do three things. And guess what I find? guess what I find? It works, you know? So instead of saying, what do you need? I say, what do you need? And then I, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, how do I connect those three things to what they need? And it connects, you know? Yeah. 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 Niching down really does make a massive difference. So well done on doing that. It's scary, but worthwhile. Yeah. So we've seen a lot of change over the last couple of years, five years or so. Let's look forward and look forward, say, 10 years. What do you think your business will look like in 10 years' time? We're talking holograms. We're talking VR headsets. We're talking just a little chip where you download the information. What do you reckon? Okay. You want the official answer or the honest answer? I'll give you both, okay? Give us both. Okay. Yeah, let's have both. Two for one deals. I love it. Official answer. Well, I'm really hoping to expand my business and go global and offer my services because I feel they would be beneficial to people throughout the world. Okay, honest answer, 
Okay, I'm 59 years old. I'd like to meet a man and have a nice life. I'd like to have a bicycle. I'd like to get up in the morning and go with him on a cycle and drink latte from a coffee shop and enjoy my life and work on the side, do good, do coaching and speaking and love it and not be overworked, not be exhausted and enjoy and have people over for dinner and learn to cook some new things. And that's what I see over the next 10 years. I love that. That is superb. Can I say, as we were talking earlier, a lot of our speaking colleagues, whenever we have a conversation with them, it's all work. It's all about business. And there is so much more to life than just work and or business. So I'm loving the fact that you have this vision that is, I want to enjoy and have a wonderful life and do a bit of work to fund it all on the side. So Kudos to you, though. I'm loving that 10-year vision. Let's talk Unconvention 2022. What's got you excited about it? What are the delegates going to walk away with after going to your session? Okay, first of all, I want to say I am, oh, do I have to say honored again? Let me find another word. I'm so sick of the word honored. I'm just very... Delighted? No. I Flabbergasted? No, no. Ecstatic? No. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, ecstatic. We'll go with ecstatic. I am really ecstatic to be a part of it because I've been connected. I got my CSP through PSA. I know a lot of PSA members. And, you know, I love our connection, the Asian and Australian speaker connection. You guys come over to our conventions and we go to yours. And I'm so excited to be a part of it because it's sort of like a sister organization in a way, kind of like a big sister, maybe. Although my organization would like to not um, perhaps we would delete the part about the big sister. We're twins. We're twins, twin sisters. Let's go twin sisters. That's good. So I'm very excited about that. And I, what will they walk away with? They will leave there at the end of the session. I believe they will leave with a slightly transformed mindset about how they go about preparing their next keynote or their next workshop or their next mermaid they will leave there with a different way of seeing the structuring process. And they will be able to put that into practice from the beginning of their preparation so that when they sit down and say, okay, I've got this client and this is what they need and here is my content, what do I do? They will think in a slightly different way of how to create that. And I'm really quite confident that it will be fun too, because it, they're going to get to play movie director in this talk. They're, it's going to be very quite interactive. You know what drew me to the unconvention? Because there's a lot of conventions, but the unconventions, the only one I said, I want to be a part of that. I love that they said, you don't want a, you know, a talk. You don't want somebody coming up there and informing. You want an experience that the audience can be part of. And I said, that's, I want to do that. So that's what they can expect too. Fantastic. I am looking forward to your session and being part of that experience. That should be fantastic. Hey, let's wrap it up with the rapid fire questions. What's your favorite online platform? Zoom, Teams, Adobe Connect? Zoom, 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 Zoom. Teams doing it. Any kind of interactive session on Teams is like eating with a single chopstick. It looks right, and yet it's not. (laughs) Oh, that's gold. Eating with a single chopstick. That would be hard. You're sort of stabbing at things and it's just not working. What's your favorite tech hack? 
Okay. I don't have tech hacks. I'm not a tech person, but there's one thing I just love. I love more than anything. Nobody can stop me from doing it. I'll be doing it at PSA. And that's using only virtual backgrounds, only virtual backgrounds. Take your slide deck, export it to a JPEG, stick it in Zoom as virtual backgrounds and be on there. And you can physically touch the points you're talking to. I love it. Love it. I don't like the Zoom virtual background bit. I don't like that because you look like you've been superimposed. I like just adding a JPEG to the back and I don't do it any other way. I haven't shared a slide in two years. Fantastic. I'm with you. It's, it's, if you are doing virtual backgrounds, sharing it as a virtual screen versus sharing the PowerPoint slide behind you is a far better way. You know what I find it's like, or I'm doing more and more, you know, when you read children's storybooks, it's like that. It's just like having the storybook as you're telling the story. Yeah. It's wonderful. And you get to do all the voices. Hello, boys and girls. Here today, we've got a story for you. Turn the page. Hey, what's your favorite productivity hack? My favorite productivity order, grab food and live on edamame and bananas. Does that count? <laughs> that's, well, that, look, the next question is, what's your favorite meal? So if you're going to say edamame and bananas, let's go with that. <laughs> What's your favorite meal? Well, it's definitely not edamame and bananas anymore because that's what I've been living on. I just can't cook anymore. I'm too depressed to cook after being stuck inside for two years. I'm numb. I'm numb. I'm numb beyond the point of crying about it. I'm now just like, I'm just numb. I get up, you know, I, I, you know, really, it's, there we go. Okay, onward. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to the next question. What's your favorite holiday spot? My favorite holiday spot. Oh, that's a tough one. Not here. I'd like to go anywhere, but really, I don't care where it is. Just away from here. (laughs) Anywhere away from my apartment. I'm having to go four streets over, just not here. Yeah. Are you currently in lockdown? Well, no, it's not lockdown, but I'm in a very small city called Johor Bahru. Not a small city, but it's not a very, not a very exciting city. And, you know, I never spent that much time here because I was in Singapore a lot and traveling a lot, but now it's just here and it's, yeah. Okay. It's just here. It's tough. Well, let's go for the next question. Uh, what's your choice? Wine, beer, gin, vodka, or tequila? Gin and gin. gin and, I'm a gin and tonic girl. Ah, is there a particular kind of gin that you're a fan of? Hendrix, perchance? Gordon's. I'm, you know, I'm quite easy, you know, <laughs> serving the gin and I'll drink Cheap gin. Cheap gin's fine. Yeah. All right, gold. If you can have dinner with any three people in the world, who would they be? Official answer or real answer? Go official and real. Okay, official. Angela Merkel, Nelson Mandela, Al Gore. Real. Dave Barry, the American humorist, because he's funny. Denzel Washington, because he's hot. And my mom, because she died, and I'd love to see her. Yeah, fantastic. I love that. All right. Hey, let's wrap it up with a final question. What's your favorite book or podcast that you like to listen to? Oh, every night as I'm going to bed, I listen to BBC World Service Outlook podcasts. I listen to it as I go to sleep. Love it. Great way to go to sleep. And I'm reading a very nice book or a very interesting book now called Tiny Habits by the guy that started a head of behavioral research department at Sanford University. His name is BJ Fogg. Very interesting book, Tiny Habits. Highly recommend for anyone who wants to change their lifestyle in any way. Fantastic. Hey, Mariana, thank you so much for your time and being part of the podcast. I'm looking forward to seeing you at Unconvention. Again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been a very nice way to spend the afternoon. I look forward to meeting you in person someday, Warwick, and and giving you a big hug. That would be superb. You've been uh, listening to the Unconvention 2022 podcast.
And as we end as the BBC, you've been listening at the third stroke, the podcast shall end. Beep, beep, beep. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unconventionally Speaking. We have over 30 unspeakers of this caliber at Unconvention on the 25th and 26th of March. So grab your seat today. Just click the link included in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you know who would also get value from this conversation. And follow or subscribe to the show to ensure that you never miss an episode. See you all at PSA Unconvention 2022. This episode is sponsored by Your Podcast Concierge, podcast production for speakers who want to increase their authority and generate leads from their show. You press record and let them do the rest. And to this, I can personally attest. 